0: Would you stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's word? We're reading today from Romans chapter 6, starting verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now if we have died with Christ... We believe that we also will live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I love this passage of Scripture, but even more do I love this passage of Scripture. On a day like today, when we're able to celebrate a beautiful ceremony and witness a beautiful event of baptism. Now, baptism, we think of as it's a ceremony, right? It's something that we do. Does, does baptism save anyone? According to the Scripture, it is not what saves people. And so we sometimes wonder, well, if, if it doesn't save people, what is it? And why is it that we do it? And so we're going to look at some of that today, but the, the ceremony of baptism is filled with wonderful imagery and symbolism. Symbolism, Baptism is what we call an ordinance. An ordinance is just another word for command. In other words, it is a command given to us, the church, that is to be carried out throughout all the ages. And while there are different denominations, and while some of us do things a little bit differently than others, you will not find a Christian denomination that doesn't do baptism, Right? It's part of what we have done, no matter uh, what century it's been in, however it has been done before. Baptism has always been carried out. And there's a reason for that, right? Uh, now, we argue sometimes about the Word. What is it? We call it, in bad, most Baptist circles, an ordinance. In some churches, they call it a sacrament. And so there's sometimes an arguing back and forth, well, what does that mean? And sometimes we argue, well, how many of ordinances are there in the Scripture? And as Baptists and most Protestant denominations have always come out, there are two. That's two ordinances that we celebrate over and over again, right? Number one is baptism that we did today. The second one, do you guys know, anybody have a guess what it is? It's the Lord's Supper, right? We partake of the Lord's Supper. We come and we eat of the bread and we drink of the cup and we do that. And Jesus commanded us to do that for as long as we were to gather together. When you come together, he said, this is what you should do. And so we have these two ordinances, these two commands, and we continue to do that today. This morning we celebrate together because baptism is a visual picture of the gospel. We celebrate Michael's new faith. We celebrate his salvation, that he's come and said that he believes in Jesus. He says that he has called on Jesus and asked Jesus to save him. But even more than Michael's decision as important as it is, right? We celebrate in baptism the work that Christ is doing and has done in his life and also in your lives as well. And so baptism is a picture of salvation it is a gift of grace for all who would call on him, all who would believe in him. It is a gift of grace to us. And we're going to talk about that some today. Now, I want us to study this because it's extremely important. But it's something you may not have studied in a while, is it? I mean, think about it. We take baptism for granted sometimes. Raise your hand here if you've been baptized. All right, so most of us have, right? Because we've grown up in the church. And because of that, when we know that, when we believe, baptism happens. But it's also something that it's sometimes good for us to re examine in the scripture things that we haven't studied in a while. Let's go back and refresh it, see it anew and see what it is now let's go back into the text today this is in Romans chapter 6 we're going to come be in and out of this passage a little bit in Romans they ask a very interesting question of Paul you see Paul is preaching that we are justified and saved by faith alone right it's an act of grace it is a gift of God that there's nothing that we can do to deserve salvation it's free it's a free gift. And we've studied that in the past, and so we know that well. Well, here's the problem. People were asking, even in Paul's day, and saying, Well, listen, if salvation is free, and it's all a, a gift of grace, well, does that mean you are now free to just sin as much as you want, live however you want, because God has already forgiven it? Right? And that is the question he asked. And even, they even asked this in this way, Well, if grace increases with sin, right? Maybe to make grace increase more, we should just keep on sinning more and asking God to forgive us. And Paul's answer to that we find here in this text. Look down, and we we'll go back to chapter six, verse one. It says, "What shall we say then? Or do we continue in sin so the grace may increase? May it never be! How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus?" have been baptized into his death. We'll stop there for a moment. You see where Paul's dealing with this question. Well, should we just? can we now just continue to live in sin? And his answer is, may it never be. He's using pretty strong language there. In other words, I don't think so. That is not the way this is supposed to happen. And so anybody that says, well, you know what? I've been saved by grace, so you know it doesn't matter how I live my life. And guys, if you are in the ministry long enough and you've been in churches long enough, every now and then you will find someone who thinks that is what life is meant to be. But what we find Paul saying is no. That is to misunderstand what happens at the moment of salvation, right? It's to misunderstand what the symbol is when we are baptized. Notice it says here that, All those who, those of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into His death. When we baptize someone, right, and we put them under the water, what is it supposed to remind us of? It's the earth, right? And you are baptized into His death. You go down into the grave is what the symbol is. And that's why we say buried with Him in baptism out of this text. And then we pull them out of the water. And what do we say? Raised to walk in newness of life. That you share in the death and resurrection of Christ. And that is the beauty of baptism. And it's an important message of what happens to us in in this text because it's telling us, you've been baptized into Christ Jesus. You've been baptized into death. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death so so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Listen, if you have called on Jesus, and you have said, Christ, will you save me? And He does. You are now a new creature in Him. The spiritual reality is that you are then reborn, made new. You are now forgiven of your sin. You are given the Holy Spirit now to walk with Him for the remainder of your life. That is what we are called to be. But it is the spiritual reality of what's happened. Listen, when you got saved, you were baptized into Christ. That is a spiritual reality. This is a visible symbol for the church that we would see and understand what God has done. It's to understand what has already happened in Michael's life, what had already happened in you when you came to be baptized. That baptism was the baptism of Christ that he came. You guys remember Jesus came to John the Baptist? and he came to get baptized and John the Baptist was like whoa, whoa whoa I don't think so you should be baptizing me but Jesus but John the Baptist had told people listen there's one coming this lamb of god there's one coming who'll baptize with the holy spirit he's coming he's going to baptize in a different way I baptize with water but he's baptizing with the spirit and what we see is the the reality is while we still are baptized in water because we've been commanded to do it. And we it is to help us to understand the spiritual reality that has already taken place. We have been made alive. Now, uh, again, the the question comes, why do we do this then if it's just a symbol? Well, one, we already read, the, we talked about the Great Commission this morning. Uh, while we was still up there in the baptismal pool that says, That we are to make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It was a command given to the apostles and to the church through them that we would continue to spread the gospel, to tell people about the glories of Christ, that they would come and be saved, be baptized in His name, and then they would then enter the church as disciples, right? That is the the beauty of the text. And if you think about Acts chapter 2, there Peter preaches... A famous sermon is the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes, and Peter begins to preach to the crowds. He proclaims the work of Jesus on the cross. But he also points out to the audience, those that were there in Jerusalem, that they were guilty of killing the author of life. Peter points out that, listen, God made Jesus Lord, and you crucified him. And so they, I want you to hear how they responded. If you have your Bible and you want to turn there, I'm going to read Acts chapter two. Verses 37 and 39. This is the end of the sermon that Peter preaches. And the people are understanding listen, Jesus is there and, and we killed him. This Messiah, the Savior that we've waited on for centuries and centuries, he came and we killed him. And they, so listen to what they ask. This is Acts chapter 2, verses 37 and 39. Now, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Christ Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. Peter tells them in the text, they ask, they're pierced to the heart, what do we do because we've killed Jesus? What do we do? And we think of that in our terms as sinners. What do we do? Because we are traitors and treasonous against the author of life ourselves. We rebel against the king of the universe in our sin. And what do we do? And he tells them, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So I want you to notice in the text here, there is a close following between repentance, admitting Your guilt, admitting what's going on, and placing our faith in Him. And to be baptized, all that is commanded there together. So they commanded repent. They say that repent means to turn and change directions, right? You're going this way. This is the way I want to go. And God's saying, you need to go that way. And repent is turn around, right? But what they largely needed to repent of in Acts chapter 2 was their unbelief to belief. That's what he's calling them to repent. Acknowledge that you are a sinner in need of a Savior and that he's the Savior. If you call on him, he will do it. And so they're there to repent, to turn from their unbelief to belief. Then they're to uh, be baptized. Now, it's not that the baptism itself gets them the forgiveness. That comes from Christ. It is that they are baptized into Christ, that they are in that moment. They're given the Spirit, baptized into Him. And the baptism, the act that we saw this morning, isn't what saves us. It is when we call on Him. And this is the symbol to show us what Christ has already done in us. Now, I don't want to take away from the importance of baptism. It is, again, an outward symbol of our new relationship with Christ. We're baptized into Him. It shows that we are now in Christ. He is in us. But here's what it means. Now that you are united with Christ and one with him, when you went under that water and when you were baptized, you really did share in the death of Christ. That's what the scripture teaches us, that all the benefits of his death are now bestowed on you. You say, well, what do I mean? Well, like those men and women saying they were pierced to the heart, and saying, what should we do? because they recognize their sin, when we recognize our sin, what this text is asking us and telling us to do is to admit that we're wrong because we deserve the death penalty according to the Scripture. No matter where you look, if you go through the Old Testament all the way through to the end, the payment and the penalty for sin is always the same as death. So that when Christ died, And was executed on that cross. He paid the death penalty for you and for me. And it counts for all those who come in faith and ask him. Their death penalty is taken away. And so you are all, we each of us were on death row. Waiting to be executed. And Christ came in and took that for us. And so now we are united with him. His death is credited to us. We get all the benefits of his death, but not just the death, but the resurrection that is to come. there are all the promises in the scripture that says, if Christ was raised, you will be raised. That is the promise we find in the text, that we have now been reborn, regenerated, whichever way you want to describe that, we have been made new creatures in him. And you say, well, well what about this body that we live in, right? It's still dying. Our friends are still dying. Our loved ones are still dying. But there's this, what happens now spiritually is kind of like baptism, right? We don't see it all. But you have been raised with Christ according to the Scripture. You have already been made alive. But here's what's happening. At the end, there will be a physical resurrection. That that's what we're waiting on. The hope of Christ is that He's coming back. That those who are dead in Christ will be raised, given new bodies according to 1 Corinthians 15, right? We will live with Him. We will put off mortality for immortality. And that is the promise that we find in the Scripture. And we see it so clearly in baptism. As Christ was resurrected, so now we too share in that resurrection. Now, many have called baptism the entryway into the church. In other words, you won't find... Uh, a denomination that I know of that will allow you to be a member of the church if you haven't been baptized. It's always something that, that they're looking for because it is a public confession, a public identification with Christ. We're declaring to the church and to the community that we recognize our sin, our need of a Savior, and that we have called on Jesus to save us. It is a public confession. It is an announcement. But I just want to emphasize this again. The beauty of this is our union with Christ, that it is a mystery and a beautiful doctrine that we're now one with Christ, we're baptized into him. Today, a lot of pastors will talk about this as our identity with Christ instead of our union with Christ. But it means in some ways the same thing, right? That we are now one in him. Again, all the benefits, all the blessings of Christ are found in us. One thing I think we do don't do well, okay, as we talk about baptism in the church, is we see it as a symbol, we kind of minimize its importance. But I want to tell you it's also a gift of grace to us. It is a means of our being strengthened in Him. You should each one of you be able to look back. There are days, how many of you have days where you doubt your salvation? Some days you just feel like, you know, I don't add up. And we all naturally, just as humans, we kind of go back into the law and say, well, you know, I just don't know if I'm good enough. Is the Lord pleased with me? Baptism should be one of those moments where you look back on and it strengthens you. Because baptism was about the grace of God. And he gave it to us, I believe, as a church to strengthen us in our faith that we would practice this for all generations, coming, baptizing in this way, so that we would all look back and, on those tough days, those rough days, go, well, you know what? Christ saved me, and it wasn't because I deserved it. And I can look back and say, you know what? I remember the day when I was baptized before the church. And it was a, it's, it's strengthening. and it should be grace to me. And if you think about it, the Lord's Supper is the same way. Baptism, how many times are we really supposed to do it? Just once, right? There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, is what we find in Ephesians 4. And so what we find is that baptism isn't one of those things that's supposed to be repeated. I know there are cases, for instance, there's times where children are baptized and, and they think, you know what, later on in life they go, you know, I really didn't understand it when I was a child and I want to get baptized again as a believer. All right, I think there's, that's credible, right? That's something that uh, I think we could find that, that would be a good thing to do. But in general, baptism is a sign once and for all. Christ has regenerated you. He's made you new. What about the ordinance, the other ordinance that we mentioned, the other command that we're to carry out, the Lord's Supper? Right? Any of you dread the Lord's Supper? Because you, we kind of teach it, I think, wrongly sometimes. And we make it this, well, if you've got any sin in your life and you partake of that, you're going to get sick. And you're going to get judged. Have you ever heard it taught like that? And we kind of try to pull the guilt into a little bit, right? Here's the thing. Those ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper, are given to us for our strengthening and our encouragement. And so on our weekdays, you know what I need? The Lord's Supper. I need to partake of the bread and drink of the cup. And what it means by judging yourself rightly is, are you in the faith? And you know what? If you can look back and say, you know what? I was baptized into Christ. I have called on Him for salvation and I might be weak. I might still have sin that I'm trying to work out. But you know what? Christ is doing this work in me. If you can say that, then the Lord's Supper should be something that strengthens you. That reminds us day in and day out of what Christ did for us on the cross. Over and over again we see in the text, salvation is a free gift. Romans 6.23, you guys know it. Anybody, anybody out there that can quote Romans 6.23? For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. It is a free gift. And we always come back to that when we celebrate the broken body of Christ. When we celebrate the blood poured out for us. Because it's a reminder of his goodness and his grace. So I encourage you today, is we're, we're about to go into a time of invitation. And uh, we, we didn't even get nearly as far into the text as I would like. And we're going to continue, there are days where we're going to come back to this and come back to baptism, come back to the Lord's Supper and look at it in greater detail. But I just want to celebrate, and I want you to celebrate today that if we have been united with him in likeness of his death, certainly we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. We will be like him in the resurrection as well. That we have died with Christ and we will now live for him. So as we come to this invitation, as we come to the time of prayer, if you're out there and you say, you know what? I've been saved. I know I have. But you know what? I'm just not living the life he's asked me to live. I'm not asking you to come in guilt and shame today. I'm asking you to come and confess it to a Lord who says if you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is a good Father waiting on you to come back home. He's a good Father waiting to offer you the same forgiveness He's offered us in baptism. The same forgiveness He offered you at the beginning. It's still there. He still loves you. His blood has still covered that sin. And so if you are living and you're feeling that guilt and saying, you know what? Today's the day to come. You don't have to come down here, but you pray to the Lord where you are and you tell Him, Lord, I want to live for you. Strengthen me. I remember my baptism, I remember what you've done. Strengthen me for your service. But if you've never called on the name of the Lord Christ, if you had never called on Him to save you, Romans chapter 10. And verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you guys hear that? If you would confess with your mouth, if you would call on Christ and say, you are the Lord, you're the Savior, will you save me? You will be saved. It is the promise of God. There's no strings attached to that. It is to come and be remade, be reborn. Verse 10 says, For with the heart of the person believes, resulting in righteousness. With the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, Whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Church, he always keeps his promises. And he has said, If we would call on him, If we would ask to be saved, He will save us. Let's go to the Lord. Father, I thank you so much for the baptism we saw today. I thank you for Michael and the new life that he is uh, seeking to follow. Father, thank you for the work that you've done in him, and I thank you for the grace that we have in baptism, the grace that we have in the Lord's Supper, that you have always offered grace to us. The Scriptures say, Father, that you lavish it upon us in Christ. You pour it out freely. You don't hold back. That all the blessings of heaven have been given to us. Father, strengthen us today. Help us rejoice. Help us celebrate to run this race that you've given us. Help us to live with newness of life. But Father, for those in the, out here in the audience who are hurting today, maybe those who have, who have gone astray, Father, You know their hearts. And Father, I pray that today even they would be strengthened through the, the symbolism, through the ceremony of baptism, through the grace that is given to us. Father, strengthen those who are struggling with guilt and shame. Father, we know that Satan would have them to wallow in that shame. You would have it have us to confess it and come to you. Our good and Father ready to welcome us back with open arms. So Father in this invitation. Father I pray that you'd move with your spirit. And work here today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.